The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hello, kids. This is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and every Thursday we release these special episodes where we look back at content from our earlier years, sometimes single stories, sometimes whole episodes. Keep in mind that years ago, people might have worded things differently than they would today. As always, the title of the whole series, Risk, is itself a content warning. This week, an episode that premiered in August of 2011. It's an episode we call Met on the Net. Hey, folks, this is Kevin. Just, uh, fuck me. <laughs> that reminds me of, uh, of this. I was riding on the Mayflower when I thought I spied some <laughs> Start again. <laughs> all right folks this hosting segment is brought to you in part by marijuana (laughs) okay now here's the show Hello, kids. This is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison. That was Trevor 
Jude Smith up top. That's exactly who it was. Trevor Jude Smith. I told you that. God! And this is Sean Lee behind me now. If you got your panties all in a bunch to find out what the theme of today's episode is, well then I'll goddamn well tell you. It's called Met on the Net. Stories of trapeze artists who really just weren't very good. Spent a lot of time falling and uh, landing on woven fabric whereupon they met. And a story or two about people encountering each other on the internet. Actually, come to think of it only, only those kind of stories. We're going to start with a very handsome and fair young man. The absolutely brilliant Mr. Adam Lowett, the supervising producer of The Daily Show, a contributing writer for Saturday Night Live. It's a very dorky and obscure reference, but I call Adam's story what I had in common with Gilbert O'Sullivan. So I got really into snowboarding a few years ago. I've been once or twice when I was younger, but not since I moved to New York. And I, the winters were just killing my soul. You know, being bogged down in an apartment for months at a time, being that inactive. I couldn't take it anymore. So I decided before the season even started, like at the end of the summer, I was going snowboarding this year. I bought a snowboard, I bought boots, I bought a jacket, I bought a helmet, goggles, everything. I committed 100%. And then it hit me, I do not have any snowboarding friends. <laughs> I don't have anyone that wants to go with me. So it was an extremely low point in my life. I signed up for a website called meetup.com. <laughs> now, if you've never heard of meetup.com, don't worry, you can already feel better about yourself, all right? <laughs> Meetup.com is a website devoted to getting people together for platonic outings. They have a snowboarding group, a running group, cycling group. Now, I've never done online dating before, and this is online friendship, which feels way fucking worse. Like, it's definitely not a proud moment in my life to be an adult alone in my apartment, like trolling the internet for an acquaintance, all right? <laughs> Now, the younger me would have gone snowboarding by myself. I used to do stuff by myself all the time. Because I've always had the thought, there's so much stuff to do in the world. It seems a shame not to take advantage of it because your friends can't make it or don't want to. And the one flaw in having that kind of mentality is that you have to be the kind of person that likes doing shit alone. And I am not that guy. <laughs> so it's a pretty big conundrum for me. My big breaking point is when I went hiking by myself. It was a gorgeous Saturday in the middle of summer and I call up all my friends and I'm like, we gotta go hiking. Do you see the sky out there? This has to happen. People were busy, they had to work, they didn't want to go, whatever. So now I'm pissed off, but I was like, all right, I can either sit at home or I can go hiking. So I went for a spite hike, you know, like really angry, just annoyed. I get a zip car, I drive fucking annoyed, like two hours outside the city up to Cold Springs, New York. I go on a hike on this breakneck ridge. And 
You know, hiking by yourself can be fun if you enjoy that sort of thing. When you are lonely and pissed off, those feelings don't go away as you enter the woods. They just grow and fester every step that you take. It's horrible. You get annoyed. Like, you know, a hawk beautifully gums over, you know, in the sky, and you're like, that's awesome. You know, it would be even better if I had someone to fucking talk to about it. That would be amazing. I look down halfway up the hike. I get jealous of like a line of ants. I'm like, look at all the fucking friends you guys have. <laughs> I get to the top of this cliff and there's a gorgeous view of the Hudson Valley. I'm sitting up there just pissed off. And five minutes later, a group of friends come up behind me and they're all having a good time hiking together. And I was half jealous but also half like, wait, maybe, maybe I'll hang out with these guys. Everyone seems cool on the mountain. These guys seem cool. But I realized, you know what Like people in the woods don't want to hear from a stranger with a shaved head? <laughs> hey, what are you guys doing later? Uh, <laughs> but because no one wanted to even go on the hike with me, I, went, I made this like a full 24-hour expedition. I had brought my laptop, and I decided I was going to stay over in Cold Springs and make an event, do some writing, get some work done. So I'm sitting in the parking lot of a Best Western in Cold Springs, eating a Subway sandwich, trying to psych myself up just to fucking check into the hotel. And there's an employee standing outside, smoking a cigarette, just staring at me. And it's the two of us, just having a stare down. And I'm like, that's me, that's me. He's the only other guy in fucking Cold Springs, and I can't hang out with that guy. We are the same person, so I fucking drove home and went back to New York City. So when I signed up for meetup.com, I had friends who I told about it, and they were like, why don't you sign up for a Facebook snowboarding group? And my answer to that is, I don't like to showcase my desperation. You know, every time you make a move on Facebook, all of your friends get to find out about it. I check one little box and all of a sudden it's Adam's become a fan of Mamma Mia. Like I don't need, I don't need that in my life. So I, the minute I sign up for meetup.com, I'm accepted to the snowboarding group. I'm all of a sudden, I'm on the email list. I can start getting the emails. And the first email comes to me from a guy who calls himself Stoked Brett. I'm instantly annoyed. I'm instantly turned off. I use the term stoked in conversation. I don't mind the word, but I don't put it before my name on the internet, all right? I'm already pissed off at a guy I don't even know, and whose friendship I personally requested. <laughs> and Stoked Brett says that the first trip we're going to take is a, as a group. All these kids are, you know, it's going to be a three-day adventure up to Killington, Vermont. Like, three fucking days? I can't stand this guy's name. How am I going to drive in a car? And multiple days on chairlifts and hotel rooms? Like... If I don't have anything to say to this guy in the first five minutes of a car ride, I'm screwed. I can't even tolerate the thought. I can't do it. I can't, I don't even let myself enjoy the idea that these guys might be cool. I might have a good time. We could become friends. They might start calling me Stoked Adam. It could be a whole big thing. I don't do anything that the meetup group emails out. I don't do any of those things. Until one day I get an email that says they're having a meetup group at a bar that is a block from my house. And like, how do I not 
go there. This is the perfect trial operation. So I psych myself up. I walk over there. I walk inside. And as I'm looking around, it becomes pretty apparent. I'm not seeing a lot of people that look like snowboarders. I'm not seeing anyone that looks like a snowboarder. I ask the bartender. She doesn't seem to know what I'm talking about. I ask a few people. Nothing. And it becomes pretty apparent that no one has shown up for this meetup meeting. No one is there, which is a cool record, I guess, because I've never been stood up by a collective group of people before. <laughs> Sorry, they should change that name to mm, maybewillmeetup.com. And, uh, but I don't want to give up. This seems so unlike a fucking internet group to do that. So now I'm honestly walking up to strangers. Strangers. You guys here for the snowboarding club? <laughs> You guys here for the snowboarding group? Which in New York speak means, do you want to buy cocaine? <laughs> so now I'm walking around this bar like a lonely coke dealer, which is hands down categorically worse than being a lonely snowboarder. But it takes me about five minutes to realize I don't need an internet community to help me make friends. Do you know how many people in a bar in New York City want to hang out with you when they think you have cocaine? <laughs> All of them. Everyone. So since that incident, I have made some snowboarding friends. You'll be happy to hear. I happen to work with people who actually enjoy some of the same things that I uh, like to do. And we go up to Vermont all the time. We go snowboarding. And I remember last year, I hurt my knee really bad when I was snowboarding. And, and I had to sit in the lodge. And I'm just there alone. I'm <laughs> eating a fucking cliff bar, drinking like chocolate milk. And uh, a very sad scene. And I remember looking over. And a few tables away, there was like 15 people gathered together that definitely looked like they were meeting each other for the first time. And you'd be surprised to know like, how you can tell that people don't know each other. We all look like our friends. You don't realize that until you see a lot of people hanging out that don't look like each other. And so I just sat there, and I know you're not just supposed to like, judge books by their covers, but no one ever said anything about eavesdropping on those covers. <laughs> and I felt like I definitely made the right decision. They were talking about a lot of dumb stuff. I'm not sure if stoked Brett was in that group, but I was definitely sitting there and I could change my name to Content Adam. That would have been a nice, uh, that's a really sappy ending. But uh, all right, thanks everybody. Breaking Windows It's the name of this track by B.O.K. It's uh, made solely out of sound effects from the window, Microsoft Windows software. Well, our next story comes to us all the way from Australia. A Risk fan out there named Erica Freeman contacted us to tell us this one. The Skype audio quality is kind of weird, but the title of the story is pretty weird, too. This is... It's the Pope a cunt. Oh, 
I am crap at relationships and I am drawn to bad boys like a dog returning to its vomit. I'm a pretty private person, especially on the internet, and I've never really got into sort of mainstream dating sites. I prefer to use more discreet sites where I can let my wild side come out without revealing my true identity. So one day I'm trawling through the profiles and I come across his profile, Showtimes. We click on many levels and so we arrange to meet. I like him. He was really tall. He had broad shoulders. He was dressed really nicely. He had a nice like Western shirt on and tight jeans and really charming. He was smart. He has a great sense of humour and he has the most amazing six pack. So we go back to his place. There is plenty of wine and unfortunately I'm a serial first date sex offender and I offend. I come away from this first encounter thinking I have met the man of my dreams. This guy is my sort of cowboy and boy does he know how to ride. He is so fucking hot. But there are two rules he tells me. Rule number one is I don't do love. And rule number two is call me anytime. And I get it, I'm savvy, I'm cool. I don't do love either. So it starts off pretty slow. I hook up with him once every couple of weeks or so. And he becomes what I fondly call a dialer route. After a few months of this, he tells me he's going away for four weeks. And I think, perfect. I'll get in a few rides before he goes and then he'll be gone and I won't. I definitely won't be falling in love with him. And then he leaves and I cannot stop thinking about him. The way he looks when he's sleeping, the feel of his strong body, his, his deep, soothing voice. And by this time, even his snoring is attractive. We exchange a few texts while he's away and the day he gets back, we hook up. And then a couple of days later, we do it again and again and again. And I have gone from casual user to addict. I cannot get enough of this guy. I think about him all the time. All I want to do is ride him morning, noon and night. Then one day, we're at his place about to start going for it and he leans over to his laptop and mucks around with it a bit and says, I'll just put some music on. So we start riding and it's so hot and I'm having a great time and I hear my phone go off but I can't answer it because I'm busy. I am so busy right now. Eventually, when we finish, I say goodbye and I get in the car and I look at my phone and there is a text there from a friend who is also on the site saying she just saw me on cam via the website having sex. So I call her straight away and she starts describing in intimate detail what we've been doing. And I said, you, you've got to be kidding. And she said, no, I could see your tattoo. And I said, what are you talking about? She said, I just saw you having sex. He was fucking you from behind. And I, I can't believe it. She's been watching it for two hours, which means that the whole time he's been camming me. So I go straight back into his place, storming through the house and start screaming at him. You just cammed us having sex. And he said, I don't know what you're talking about, babe. And I said, I just got a phone call and you've just cammed us having sex. And he said, oh, babe, what are you talking about? And I said, you, you had the camera on. He denies it. My whole body is shaking and I'm just going ballistic. And he just looks at me with those snake eyes and he just lies to me. So the next morning, I ring the computer crime section and I tell the guy what happened. And he says that, yes, it is a crime to film someone having sex, but it's really hard to prove. 
basically it would be my word against his and no guarantee that there would be a conviction. In the meantime, he's sweet-talking me. He's asking me for coffee. He's calling me. He says that we can work this out together. And I believe him. So a couple of months pass and he's really nice. And then one day he just drops out. He doesn't answer text. He won't pick up the phone and he never speaks to me again. And I am a counsellor and my whole life is geared to talking it out. And he just goes completely silent. And I just can't let it go. He committed this crime. He can just having sex. And now he's treating me like I'm some sort of fucking weirdo. And it was then that my computer turned into a tool of evil. I started making up false profiles. It was the irony that of it didn't matter what I was called and he was up for it. And I would wind him up with sex talk and then just drop out. And I did this for a while going just more and more demented. So get this, I arranged for Bush Piggy to meet him at midnight in a cave, a well-known cave that people go and hang out and drink in in North Fremantle because somewhere in my pea-sized brain, I was certain that this would be the thing that would make him talk. Unfortunately, as you can imagine, things didn't quite go to plan. I emerge from the darkness and he says, oh, no, it's you. And I say, why won't you talk to me? And I say it over and over again. And he leaves and he doesn't talk to me. And I try everything to get it out of my head. I run, I skip, I hula hoop, I swim laps, I smash my phone, I try to put it back together. I spend hundreds of dollars on counselling, but I just cannot let it go. So... What happens next could really only be described as a psychotic break. I can't take it anymore. I am boiling with rage. And I drive to the beach and I throw myself into the ocean and I swim out praying that a shark will fucking eat me. But of course it doesn't. So I send a text, which he ignores. And this is the final straw. I open the fridge and like a beacon, the eggs call to me. I put them on the bench and think, what's he going to do? call the cops and then I think I'll bring it on. So I drive over to his house, pull up out the front and proceed to give him the dirty dozen all over his door and veranda. And then I get back into my car and I drive home. And by this time I'm so full of adrenaline, I feel great, but it's not enough. So I return with flour, coconuts and dates because maybe he wants to make scones. So I go back and I start attacking the house again, except this time I'm rattling the gate and I'm screaming, why won't you talk to me? I hate what you did to me, Rodney! Why won't you talk to me? driving home I'm feeling really good I'm, I'm feeling fantastic I have my dignity back it's mine everything is good until the next morning when I start to panic thinking that I am in deep shit now I'm expecting a knock at the door any minute that the cops will be coming and then I get a text from him and I nearly have a heart attack and I pace around for about half an hour before I'm brave enough to finally open it and when I pluck up the courage and read it, it says, I'm at home cleaning up if you want to talk. I'm shocked and I think finally he gets it. So I go over there and we talk and 
Then he says it, the words I've been waiting to hear. He says, I'm sorry. And then he asks me, do I want a beer? And I think, is the Pope a cunt? And we go to the kitchen and he brushes past me and I can smell him. And he hands me the beer and then he just plants this big kiss on me. And before I know it, I'm a goddess. And um, we fucked. <laughs> and it was the wildest. Well, a very wild time. <laughs> Life is a playground and I want somebody to play with. I like a woman with a all wild side. I would like a woman who just gets down and old. Do you like cats? I'm an executive by day and a wild man by night. I like to wear bright socks. You've probably already noticed that I have incredibly blue eyes. I go to clubs, let the groove on. That's kind of my life. And I do consider myself a refined valley dude. What I'm not looking for is uh, some big overgrown monster that's always thinking about food. Books aren't that important anymore. A lot of times I'll just stay up late at night and watch you sleep. And if you're sitting there watching this tape, smoking your cigarette, well, hit the fast forward button because I don't smoke and I don't like people who do smoke. Wonderful music on this episode. This is Wild by Royal Teeth. Keep sending that stuff to us, those good, good songs. Bands. That's right, bands. I'm talking to you. The fuck you gonna do about it? Send music, I hope. It's how this whole topic of conversation started. Jesus, pay attention, bands. <laughs> Before that, Jeff Barr did a piece called Bad Dates. All right. I am very excited to present this final storyteller. You know, when Risk started almost two years ago now, I was pretty new to Facebook because I'm late to those kind of things, and I just started going to brilliant people artist writing, hey, I was a member of the stage. Will you be my friend? And then when they'd say yes, I'd say, oh, great. Now, would you like to tell a very personal story to hundreds of thousands of people? This next gentleman I've been talking to from the beginning, it's not that he didn't want to do the show. It's just that he has so much going on. So it's a joy to finally get him here. A.J. Jacobs is the author of The Year of Living Biblically and The Know-It-All, one of our best and brightest. Backstage the night of the show, we all loved him. He was such a sweetheart. 
This is a story that we call With Great Beauty. So my wife and I, we have kids, and uh, we have a nanny, and the nanny happens to be crazy hot. Uh, like, uh, you know, she, her name is Michelle, and she's 27 years old, and she looks like Angelina Jolie, but without the freakish lips. So, uh, you know, it's me and my wife and our kids and the hot nanny. You know, it's like... Uh, the hot nanny, it's like a penthouse forum letter, but without the sex part. Uh, in case anyone knows what a penthouse forum letter is. I'm old. That's the point. <laughs> uh, so anyway, she's a lovely woman, and my wife and I love her, but she's single, and we wanted to see if we could get her a boyfriend. So we said to her, listen, can we set you up on Match.com? You know, what about that? And she's like, I don't know. A lot of creeps on there, and I'm not a, really a writer. And I say, well, listen, I, I'm a writer. I'll, I'll, I'll write the emails for you. You know, I'll. <laughs> seem like a good idea. I will be, I'll be sort of the, the gatekeeper. I'll, I'll email these guys and weed out the creeps. And I'll, you know, you just go out for a latte with the, uh, with the, the nice guys. And she's like, all right, I guess so. Uh, so we set up an account. I put some pictures of her up, and I press uh, upload. And like within a minute, it's like bing, I get a uh, a page view, and then it's like bing, 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 bing. It's like double rainbow. It's very exciting, and I'm like, <laughs> you know. I've never had that. And then the emails start coming in. That first night, I get like a dozen emails. You know, you, you are so, I love your smile. You know, you are so beautiful. And I am, I'm, you know, I'm kind of excited. Uh, I'm very exhilarated because I've never had this much positive feedback in my life. You know, I know technically it's not for me, but it's still, it's very exciting. Uh, and there are, there are some potential good guys, uh, but you know there are a tremendous number of guys that I have to weed out. There are so many emails that I have to you know, start coming up with a system. So I made a list of the deal breakers. You know, so if there's a, a guy who mentions the word ladies in his opening email, you know, I figure that's not good. If he says that his best feature, they ask you your best feature, and some guys write ass or butt, that, is, you know, even if it's ironic, I don't care, that's out. Uh, if the guy, if his head is tilted more than 20 degrees, like to the right <laughs> or to the left, I'm like, I don't think so. Uh, if the guy mentions female anatomy in the first email, uh, you know, this one guy, his opener was, I'm not a professional gynecologist, but I'd be happy to take a look. And I was like, I don't think so. You know, I, some of these guys I try to write notes to. There are too many to write them at all, but there's this one guy, his, na his username was Sexy Gentleman. And, uh, you know, I said, 
Michelle should respond to this guy. So I said, I thought this would be a nice thing for Michelle to do. So I, I sent him a note saying, you seem nice. I don't think we're right for each other, but just, you know, just FYI, you might want to rethink sexy gentleman as a screen name. It might be, you know, some women, it, it might be a little too on the nose, you know. Uh, so I felt like I was helping people. I felt this incredible, uh, this, it was really, it was, it was a happy feeling. And I, there were these guys that I liked, so I was very excited to find some real potential ones. There's this music teacher, and he had long hair, and he was very humble and sweet, and he wrote these long, funny emails about xylophones. And I, so I, I said to Michelle, you know, what do you think? And she's like, all right, I'll meet him. So they have a date at the Mexican restaurant. I don't go to spy, even though I really want to. And, uh, and she comes back, and I'm like, so? And she's like, yeah, I liked him, you know? I, I think I liked him. He was cool. He was sweet. I'll go on a second date. And I'm like, yes! You know, because I am living, you know, vicariously through her and through him. You know, <laughs> both of them. And I was worried before she went on the date because my, her online personality is a little bolder than her real personality. She's a little shyer in real life. But she told me that she changed her personality at the restaurant to try to fit into her online personality. And she, like, when he walked in, she made him turn around and, like, you know, check out his butt. And, uh, and I was like, this is all, you know, I am Henry fucking Higgins here. This is, I love this. Because it is, it's very powerful being a hot woman. And uh, it's a rush. This, so, they, and as proof that I got this other email from this guy, his opening essay, I read it, had started, when I was a child, I witnessed a clown jump to his death from a seven-story building. It was the only time a clown has made me laugh. So that was... <laughs> That was his opener, and I wrote him back, I was like, you know, you seem not, you, you're very funny, but you're a little dark for a, a sweet girl. I'm a sweet girl like me. Next day, I look, he's changed his opening essay completely. Now it's all about Care Bears and snuggling and rainbows. And, uh, and, and he writes, you know, he's like, I need a sweet girl like you, uh, but I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it to Michelle. Uh, but the sleazeballs, you know, they continue apace. There are dozens every day. This one guy, he looked like John Turturro, and his opening line was, he goes, you seem like a handful. And I'm like, what the? And uh, <laughs> I did not like that. And I work at Esquire magazine, and I had read a book about pickup artists. And one of the strategies they use as an opening line, they mildly insult the woman, you know, sort of lower your, her self-esteem, and then she's like, oh, you're so cool. Uh, and I was like, I think this guy just negged me. That's the phrase they use in pickup lingo is nagging. So I think he just nagged me. So I write him back, I go, hey, have you ever read the book The Game by Neil Strauss, which is the pickup book? He writes back, why do you ask? And I'm like, I just busted your ass. I knew it, because he would have said, no, I don't know what you're talking about. And so I, like, I email him, and I finally get him to confess. Like, he's a part of this pickup community. He knows all these guys. And I get him, I'm like, this is not a game. I am looking for a boyfriend or a husband. You know, stop toying with my emotions. 
<laughs> I was like, Susan B. Anthony, I'm like not gonna take it. Uh, I found another guy who I really like. He's a scientist, he seems very sweet. He has sort of ears like Prince Charles. Uh, so, but, but he's wonderful. So I say, you know, what do you think, Michelle? And she's like, yeah, let's, let's try it. So they make a date and she comes back and I'm like, so how was it? And she's like, he never showed up. He blew me off. Like, I'm out, I can't do this anymore. You know, this is too, so I'm like, what the fuck? And then the next day the guy emails me. He was at the Starbucks. He was outside and she was inside. And I'm like, kids today, they can't even meet. In a star, they can't find each other in a Starbucks. I'm like, hmm. Uh, then I get my favorite email yet. This guy, his screen name is called his Watch Me on TV, and he doesn't have a picture. And I'm like, who is this? And I was like, Al Roker. I wonder, you know, who could this be? And I open the email, and it says, uh, I'm married, but I'm looking for a girl on the side. And I wondered if you could be that girl. And uh, I love the forbidden fruit. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, I should have just left it right there. That would have been the, the mature thing to do. But I, I couldn't leave it. And I think I thought about why. Partly it's because I think I'm a 14-year-old boy, you know, mentally. And I wanted to mess with him. And partly, you know, this guy was my gender. And he's out there ruining our reputation. You know, he is a scumbag. And I want to punish him. So I like, uh, I flirt with him and I'm like, oh, what's it, what's it like to be so famous? You know, and he, watch me on TV, the reason he has that screen name is that he appears like once every two months on some CNBC show at like three in the morning. Like, and he's trying to leverage that into sex with hot women on the side. So I'm like, hey, you're so famous. And, uh, and then I say, you know, what's the craziest thing you've ever done? And he's like, yeah, I'm so crazy, I'm gonna run for political office. And I'm like, great, this is what we need, like more politicians who pick up women on the internet. So, and then he goes, I also have some pretty wild fantasies. And I'm like, oh boy, here we go. Uh, so I say, uh, do tell. Uh, <laughs> and he goes, I don't know, they're a little risque, and I'm like, Ah, oh, don't worry, I can take it. You could say anything to me. So a total setup. Uh, and he, uh, so then he emails me this long two-page letter, like really detailed about how Michelle is wearing this fur coat with nothing on it, and she's in a strip bar, and she's got on a black bra, and the, her nipples are hard, and she's grinding her crotch into guys' faces, and it goes on and on. It gets more uh, graphic. and. And I get it, I'm like, oh boy. So I, uh, I, I email him back, I decide to uh, take this tactic, I go, you disgust me, you know, I am, you treat me like trash. I can't believe you would consider me a piece of meat who would grind my crotch into guys. And he is like all groveling and apologetic and like, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't know, I don't know. And I decided, all right, I think I kind of taught the guy a lesson it's time to move on. You know, I'm not Chris Hansen from Dateline. I gotta, you know, move on because I gotta find her a boyfriend. She agrees to go out again with the guy uh, with long hair, the music teacher. So they go out for another date 
And she comes home, and I'm like, so how was it? And she goes, he's nice. And I'm like, oh, that's the death knell. You know, he's nice. We're, we're in trouble. So it broke my heart. She did not go on a third date with this guy. I set her up with a bunch of other guys. Turns out she didn't end up with any of them, but she did end up with an old friend of hers that she knew from like 10 years ago from Washington, D.C. So uh, I can't take full credit, but I, I do like to take a tiny bit of credit. That's probably delusional, but she hadn't dated in like five years, so I thought like I got her back into the dating mindset. And uh, so I felt good about that. And for me, it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. I mean, because, you know, all this positive feedback. And also, though, it was very enlightening, because I got to see this side of men that other men don't get to see. You know, I got to see the sleazy guys, that I kind of expected those guys. But I didn't expect these guys who were very emotionally vulnerable and open and, and really sweet. Uh, and so I, I thought, uh, you know, I'll do one more thing as Michelle. So I did, a, I did a search for lonely and depressed on Match.com. And this guy pops up and he goes, you know, I live at home with my sick mother. I take care of her. I have no life. I'm a loser. I go to work. I come home. I play video games. And I'm really depressed. So I write him as Michelle and I say, listen, we can't date because you're in another state. But I just want you to know that I think it's wonderful that you take care of your mother. I think you're a rock star, and you're going you're gonna to meet some beautiful woman, and you're going to make her very happy. And I felt that was important to do, because with great beauty comes great responsibility. <laughs> Thank you very much. I cannot tell you how much I love this song. This is The Cinema with a song called Kill It. Go to facebook.com slash the cinema music. Burn it up. Burn this shit up. <laughs> Folks, today is the day. Take a risk.
Now here's a belch. 